What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Bear Performance Podcast. I am your host, Nick Bear, owner of Bear Performance Nutrition. And today we are talking about what I've learned through endurance training. Um, the reason I decided to do a podcast on this is because a few days ago I posted a photo on Instagram and it was a comparison of two body types, both being mine. One when I was strictly bodybuilding and strength training and I was sitting around 225 pounds. And that was the picture on the left. The picture on the right was me as of like a week ago, focused on endurance training, sitting at around 195 pounds. So that's a 30 pound difference in weight. And both pictures, obviously very different. The one on the left, when I was just bodybuilding strength training, I was big, I was bulky, I was thick because that was the purpose of training. I wanted to move a lot of weight. I wanted to be strong. I wanted to be big. Picture on the right was me thinner, leaner, uh, not as big and bulky, uh, more functional. But the purpose of that body type and that training as of right now is, is for endurance. You know, as I'm training to qualify for the Boston Marathon um, and a few other things, like in two days, I find out if I was selected to run the Leadville 100. So like that is another one of my my goals right now, endurance. You know, so the Leadville 100 is a 100-mile race through the mountains of Colorado, and it's brutal. It's tough. It's in August, but in two days, I find out if my lottery ticket was selected. So the way the system works is you put your name in for a lottery, and if your name is selected, you get to run the Leadville for that year. So in, like I said, in two days, I find out if I was selected for that Um but the reason I bring up those two pictures is because it drove a lot of engagement. It brought up a lot of questions, a lot of comments. And I, I opened it up. I said, like, what body type do you prefer personally? Do you want to focus on size and strength? Like, like I looked on the left or uh, like endurance, leaner, thinner, functional on the right. And I opened up that question to get some, some insight in what people were thinking, because there's not a right or wrong answer, you know? In both those times in my life, which it was spread out by about a year and a half, both those times in my life, the, the purpose of my training was very, very different. And like I said, there's not a right or wrong answer. So the physique that I was building, my training, my recovery plan, my nutrition spe- specifically, they were both like working towards a different goal. And I I got a lot of feedback from that post and I figured, you know what, let's talk about what I've learned through endurance training, like how things have changed over the years. Because if you know me and you've been following me for a while now, you know that like when I do something and it's successful, it's when I go all in, as I've talked about. When I put on a lot of size and strength, naturally, you know, I'm a 100% natural athlete lifetime. Um, I have, I have good genetics. I I will tell you that. The Bear family has good genetics, but we also work very hard. We have solid nutrition. We have solid training. And I want to kind of talk about what the differences are from when I was just trying to put on size and strength as opposed to endurance because it, it is different. It's very different in my approach to all aspects of it. So this might give you some insight on, on what I changed. Now, like, let's kick it off with nutrition alone. Like how, how do they, they differ from one another? And when I was strictly trying to put size and strength on the intent was to eat as much food as possible without getting fat, right? Without putting an excessive amount of body fat on 
and to fuel this performance, to fuel getting stronger. We're like some of my best lifts, 700 pound deadlift, uh, probably 500 pound squat and like a 385 bench press. I really don't remember my, my, my best bench and squat. They didn't stand out because they weren't anything spectacular, but I will always remember the day that I hit 700 pounds on a deadlift. I will remember it like yesterday. I remember what I ate leading up to it. I remember who I was talking to. I remember who I was around because it was like, it was a moment in my life that it was big. 700 pound deadlift, it was big to me then. It still is big. I can't, I can't hit nearly that right now. But when I was focused on putting on all that size and strength, my nutrition followed that. It reflected that. It wasn't always like the most healthy, clean food, but I was trying to get in as many calories as possible. So there are days where I probably had 700 grams of carbs and 150 to 200 grams of fat and 250 to 300 grams of protein. And I was constantly fueling myself. I was telling someone the other day, I remember my breakfast back then where it was like four whole eggs, four egg whites, two cups of oatmeal, a banana, and like four tablespoons of peanut butter or almond butter. If I try to consume two full cups of oatmeal now, I don't know if I could do it and like feel comfortable, but that was normal for me. So my body adapted to the amount of food I was, I was giving it. Like lunch sometimes would be like you know, two and a half cups of rice, eight ounces of chicken, olive oil or coconut oil, and maybe like a granola bar with peanut butter on the side. And I felt fine after that. But I was fueling you know, this purpose, this goal of putting on size and strength. And that's what it required. It required a lot of calories. And as I started putting on more size and more strength, I had to keep eating more and more and more. Now, my diet is very different now as opposed to it was then because now my diet is it's actually lower in carbs, which is, I think, counterproductive from what a lot of people would assume or think because as I'm focused on endurance, I think a lot of people think that well, I need all these carbs to fuel my, my performance, to fuel my, my training. And over the years, what I've found is, you know, there's, there's so many diets out there and you're being pulled in all these different directions and you're listening to study A and study B and study C and what this person's doing and what that person's doing. And I got to the point where I was like, well, I'm going to experiment on my own and see what makes me feel the best. And what I found with experimenting with some things, when I say experimenting with things, I say, you know, different types of foods, like focusing on, and I've talked about this before, not tracking macronutrients and calories and just eating based off of feel and focusing on more whole natural food sources, more vegetables, more fruits, uh, meats, and, and quality carb sources. And what I found through like trying different things is that I feel a lot better on not low carb, but I'd say moderate carb say like 200, 250 to 300 grams a day, moderate protein, so like 250 grams of protein and higher fat. So fats may be closer to 150, 200 grams plus a day sometimes, uh, depending on like if I'm eating a, a really fatty meat or a lot of eggs uh, or more like nut butters and nuts that day, like my fats can get higher, but I feel better on that diet. Not keto by any means. Um, and it's not a low carb diet, but it's a, it's a moderate carb diet. And I found that just balancing through experimenting that my body feels better with higher fats. 
And my calories are, are, are lower now with endurance training as they were when I was putting on size and strength, when that was my, my sole focus. And for me now, where back then when I just wanted to get bigger, it was get as many calories in as possible. Maybe that meant going in and out after a workout and slamming some double doubles and fries uh, or, or just, just getting as many calories in as possible like to grow, just to grow. But as I've transitioned to endurance now, which is the goal, I'm not saying it's always going to be the goal, but right now I'm just, that is the objective. I want to be able to, and learn how to run faster, do some ultras and, and experiment with it, you know, and, and just be multidimensional. I don't know where, where my training is going to take me a year, two years, three years, 10 years from now. I don't know what I'll get into, but I know right now that this is my focus. And what I found is my body craves certain foods based off of what I'm training. Then to break that down a little bit, it's, I don't look at food right now as I need to eat as much as possible to grow. It is what is going to fuel my performance for that day? What is going to fuel my recovery for that day from that workout? And what is my body craving right now? And when I listen to my body, and I've talked about this before countless times, I'll be running. And as the run's getting closer to ending, I'll, I will start craving like fruits. I'm not running craving a cheeseburger and, and pizza and stuff like that anymore. My body is craving things that it knows are going to help it perform and recover. And that's mainly like high quality food sources, whole foods, because I'm not tracking any nutrition right now. I'm not tracking macros. I'm not tracking calories. It's all based off of feel, performance, recovery. Um, and that is what I found works for me. Now I've been doing this for years. I've been I studied nutrition in college. I've tracked macros. I've, I've tried different diets. And over the years, I found what works for me and how much of it I need to perform, to recover, in order to sustain and get better, right? It's just, it becomes second nature. And that is, that's been the biggest shift is actually decreasing calories, believe it or not, from trying to grow to building endurance and the food sources have changed and the macronutrient focus has changed. And like I said, it's just based off of like experience and finding out what works for me and what doesn't work for me. So that was a massive shift, what I've learned through endurance training. You know, when I was working with uh, my coach for my Ironman, he brought up how a lot of endurance athletes are focused more so on a ketogenic diet. And I looked into it. I did my research. And I considered it just to experiment with it because of, of what my coach told me. Um, but it wasn't something that I wanted to do. It was something I didn't think was sustainable for me. And after doing the research, I didn't see anything that was significant in changes to changing to more of a ketogenic diet for endurance. So I decided, hey, I'm going to stick to what works for me, what I enjoy, and what is sustainable. Because the best diet for you is the one that you can stick to. It doesn't make any sense to people, to me at least, when someone off the street is looking to get in shape, maybe they want to lose weight, they find a coach online, that coach puts them on this strict bodybuilding diet of just like tracking macros, these are your foods you can eat, these are the foods you can't eat, it's not sustainable for them, so they fall off within like 30 days, and they give up because they were like, I never want to do that again. Well, that's not sustainable for someone. 
And I think a, a good coach, a good practice, and this is what I try to, I don't want to say preach, but this is what I try to just put out there for people who want to who wanna take it. This is like it's just my, my free advice. Find that diet that works for you, that is sustainable, that you can build into your life, the people around you, life like your family, it's obviously going to affect them, and make it something that's long-term and sustainable. That's the, way, the best way I'm going to put it, right? So moving on from nutrition, man, how has body composition changed from switching strictly from, let's call it growing, from growing to endurance training? And it's changed dramatically. And I've gotten this question a lot on posts lately. It is, how are you maintaining size and strength through all of this cardio? And here's the thing. I've built this physique over the, the past 10 years plus at this point. And I did it naturally. And when you do something and you build this physique and it takes time and effort and, and work, it's not going to go away in, in an instant. It's not going to disappear right? It's going to hold on. You've like, you've, you've built that over time. It doesn't disappear instantly. I will tell you though, when I was in ranger school, I lost it almost instantly. It, little side note right now. I remember after the first phase, it was the first three, three weeks in, you know, food deprived, sleep to provide, uh, sleep that provide. And I remember like seeing my body after the first three weeks, I lost maybe like five to 10 pounds, maybe. And I just looked lean and ripped. And I was like, oh, man, this is like, this is awesome. And then at the end of training, 141 days later that I was in there, I was n no muscle left. So it, it will disappear if you don't fuel it and feed it and keep training it. It, it, it goes away. But with my training right now, even though cardio is the focus, I'm running six out of seven days a week right now. I'm still lifting maybe three three to four days max training in the gym. And this focus isn't to, to implement this crazy strength training routine or all of this volume. It is really to maintain some muscle mass, some size, some strength while a focus is cardio. Now, will this muscle mass hold me back? Yeah, maybe a little bit, but I enjoy strength training. You know, I enjoy resistance training. I like going to the gym. I like taking pre-workout and getting a good pump and, and breaking a sweat and just moving blood through my muscles. I love that feeling as much as I love going out on a run right now. They both go hand in hand with my life. But my body composition has changed with that transition. You know, I haven't trained legs in, I haven't trained legs in probably, man, maybe eight or nine months. I didn't train legs throughout the entire Ironman prep. I haven't trained legs throughout this entire marathon prep because I'm running six days a week. But if you watch me run, uh, you'll see like I still have some really good leg definition because of the volume I'm putting on my legs. Like it's not like I'm just sitting there and my muscles wasting away in my legs because I'm not strength training. No, I'm still I'm still beating them down. I'm still using my leg muscles every single day. It's just in a different way. And the rest of my body has kind of changed with it where I've lost a lot of body fat. I've lost weight. Like right now I'm sitting, this past week I saw the, the lightest on the scale yet, 188 pounds. I haven't seen 180 pounds on the scale in forever. But I saw 188 pounds on the scale this past week. And I've lost a significant amount of weight and body fat, but I'm still maintaining some, some size, some muscle mass. 
And the best way to describe the way I feel right now in combination with training and and recovery and nutrition is I feel light on my feet, for one. I feel super high energy all day. Now, I remember when I used to eat like 700 grams of carbs a day when I was trying to put on size and strength. I'd have 200 grams of carbs after lunch and I would crash hard. I would crash so hard. And now I don't get that. I have sustained energy throughout the entire day with a higher fat, moderate carb diet, being leaner, being lower body fat, being lighter, and having you know, some cardiovascular training in my, my life. Not a little, but a lot of cardiovascular training in my life right now. So my body composition has really transformed more into, it's getting there, that runner's body, where it's lean, it's light, um, more mobile, and some of that muscle mass is going away. I've definitely lost size and strength and muscle mass, but I'm becoming more efficient for my goal right now. I'm going to hammer that in again. I'm more efficient for my current goal. You can have different goals throughout your life. Like I've talked about this before as well. There's times in your life where you can be, want to be as strong as possible. I've been there. There's times in my life when I've wanted to be as big as possible. I've been there. Now I'm at a point in my life where I want to be as fast as possible and hold that speed for as long as possible. And to reach that goal, your diet, your training, and your mindset has to reflect. It has to. And that's what's changing for me. My diet, my training, my mindset. And with that, my body composition changes as well. Now let's dive into training itself. Like I've learned a lot. Since I committed to the Ironman, you know, months ago and finishing the Ironman and now training for, to qualify for Boston, I've learned a whole shit ton about endurance training. I'm by no means am an expert, but I'm learning more and more every single day through coaches, through personal experience, through my training. And this is what I'll, what I'll kick it off with. My first two marathons I did. You know, my first marathon I ever did, I was sitting around probably 220 pounds, and I ran a 357. My second marathon I ever did, I was sitting still around about 220 pounds, and I ran like a 415. And I'm going to talk about why they were unsuccessful to me, looking back. It's because I didn't go all in. I, I wasn't focused on the marathon completely. And I was trying to maintain as much size and strength as possible. So I was still hitting the gym like six days a week. I was still eating like a bodybuilder. And I was afraid to lose size and strength. And because of that, my diet, my nutrition, my training, my mindset didn't 100% fully adapt and go all in to reflect what I wanted to do. And looking back, I'd say that's why those first two marathons weren't as successful as they could be. And the difference between that and my training now is that I'm all in. So everything I do reflects what I'm trying to accomplish. You know by now, if you listen to anything I say, I'm a massive advocate and it's one of my biggest things that if you want to get from point A to point B successfully, you have to go all in to get there. You can't dabble. You can't mix and match and, and try to get there 
by skipping steps. You have to go all in to be as successful as possible. And that's what I'm doing now with endurance training. And that's what I've learned is you can't just dabble in it. If you want to be good at something, you can't just like, it can't be a side thing. I can't be a, a bodybuilder and want to put on as much size and strength as possible, but also run on the side and be successful. It's, it's probably not going to work like that. I'm sure there are exceptions to the rules where there are freaks out there who are massive, massive dudes, as strong as shit, as fast as possible, and can run forever. I'm sure people like that exist. But for a lot of people, you have to go all in on that goal. And sometimes you have to let go of previous goals. For me, that was being put in on size and strength, right? And when I decided to go all in, that's when things changed. Like last night I ran, I think it was my 5K PR. It was 1933. It was like a 618 minute per mile pace, 3.1 miles. Uh, and my goal was to be, you know, I want to be a 19 minute 5K runner. So I still have some, some improvements to make. I would love to run a 5K in the 18s and the 17s. Uh, but we're making progress because in the beginning of this marathon prep, my 5K time was 2030. Right now, I've dropped about a minute on my 5K time, and I would like to drop another minute on my 5K time. So we're making progress. And the next thing I want to talk about is heart rate training and how I didn't previously include heart rate training in my last two marathon seasons. It was something I recently started learning about during Ironman prep. And the reason I bring this up is, and I talk about this in my book that I'm launching January 28th, 25 hours a day, is it's sometimes difficult to admit what you don't know. But when you admit what you don't know, it's easier to grow and learn and become better. And that's why I like trying new things. Like that's why I enjoyed signing up for the Ironman because I was, it was a very humbling experience to say the least. I didn't know anything about cycling. I didn't know anything about swimming. I knew about running, but not everything to know about running. And sometimes you just don't learn all these things until you get out there and do it. And using proper heart rate training is something I realized I should have been doing a long time ago. And that can make a massive difference because, I mean, I made a video months ago and it was titled How to Run Faster. And some of the comments said, just move your feet faster. Just run more. And that answer always drives me a little insane. It always pisses me off a little bit because there's ways to efficiently run faster, run better, run further, to improve. And one of those things is heart rate training. Because with heart rate training, now heart rate training, for example, if you don't know what it is, it's you have different zones of training. So you have zone two, zone three, zone four, zone five. And you find your max heart rate. And those zones are percentages of your max heart rate. So zone two, for example, it's, it's just like a, imagine a, a calm, easy run where you can hold a full conversation with someone during that run. And zone five is like all out max sprint where there's no way you can hold a conversation with someone. Zone three and four are somewhere in the middle. 
percentages based off your max heart rate. Zone two is some of the most important training you can do. Zone two builds your aerobic base. And zone two should should be about 80 to 85% of all your training. You go out there, you put some miles on your feet, you build that aerobic base. And what I see a lot of people doing wrong and what I used to do wrong is if I had, if I looked at my, my training for the day and it was, say, four miles, maybe it was eight miles, maybe it was 10 miles, in my head, I'm like, I got to run this as fast as possible. I was just focused on pace. I wasn't focused on the heart rate. And what I wasn't doing is I wasn't building an aerobic base over time. And if you don't build an aerobic base, anything else you do really is like it's skipping steps. So coming off of Ironman prep, I had a really solid aerobic base because almost all of my training during Ironman prep running wise was zone two, building an aerobic base. So coming into this marathon, I had a really solid base. And I try to teach people that all the time now is, you know, when you, when you get into running, focus on building that base, build that aerobic base with your zone two training. And then you can start adding things like speed work, tempo runs, intervals, fart licks, all these different things. Like for example, my run that was supposed to be yesterday that I'm doing today is 12 times 400 meter sprints, each one in one minute, 19 seconds with 90 seconds rest in between. And if you look at it, you think, well, that's not marathon training. That's like, that's sprint work. That's speed work. That's a, that's a track athlete. No, these are essential aspects of getting faster. Tempo runs, for example. One of my tempo runs this past week was a three-mile warm-up at like a 7.25 minute-per-mile pace, then three-mile three tempo at a 6.25 minute-per-mile pace, and then a two-mile cool-down. So a lot of my training now, because we're on a timeline of qualifying for Boston, my coach is putting me at pace running. So there's certain paces I'm trying to hit for these certain runs. Because I've already built that zone two aerobic base over months. So one of the biggest things I'd say is if you're getting into endurance work, don't skip zone two aerobic long distance, getting some miles on the feet, endurance training. Incorporate that, build that, and then start adding your speed work, your tempos, your intervals, your fart licks, stuff like that. Heart rate training is massively important. Moving into recovery and nutrition um, on the course. Now, recovery-wise, I would say, as of right now, through this marathon training, is the most important recovery I've ever done. During Ironman, recovery was super important, obviously, but the impact wasn't, it wasn't as hard as it is now. I was switching between swimming, biking, cycling, and running. Running, obviously, is very high impact. Your joints are just hammering down on the road. Biking or cycling, not too much impact. Swimming, zero impact. So switching between those three exercises, those three systems, allowed me to recover pretty well. Now, because I'm running six days a week, my body, it's, it's hurting. It's feeling that impact. And I'm more susceptible to injuries during this training 
than I was during Ironman training. During Ironman, I had zero issues. Nothing ever hurt. Everything always felt pretty good. Throughout this marathon training, there's typically something that's bothering me a little bit, but the recovery protocols I'm using right now is and that I found success with. Sleep, obviously, uh, is super important. Getting enough sleep to recover throughout all of this training. Um, but like I've been using an ice bath. I built an ice bath in our garage. So the ice bath has been super useful. I'll get in there for like three minutes at a time. Compression boots. Now the compression boots we were sent by a company, which are like these boots you throw in your, your legs. They fill your entire legs and it pumps compressed air into the boots and it gets really tight and it moves blood around in your legs. I have fallen in love with compression boots. I, I tried compression boots a few a few years ago at this this business. They must not have made them tight enough on me because I went through it. I didn't feel anything. I was like, this is BS. We got sent this pair of compression boots and I have fallen in love with them. I use them every night. I did two 10-minute sessions. So I did 20 minutes total. And that has made a massive difference in my recovery in my legs. Like I, I feel really good from the boots. Um, some other things that we have used is the Theragun. Theragun sent us one of their pieces of equipment. I enjoy that for like spot training, um, kind of massage stuff. Not my favorite. I'd say like priority is ice bath and compression boots. And we have a power dot here at the warehouse that we use, which is uh, electro stimulation to the muscles. It's like a massage as well. Again, it's good, but I haven't had the success from the Theragun and the power dot as I've had from ice bath and um, the compression boots. I will tell you something new that we've been sent by a company. Uh, they're called freeze sleeves. And it's, it's pretty genius, actually. I don't know if they were the first to market with this, but I used to ice parts of my body. And I would always be like old school where I'd use bags of frozen peas or, or corn or something from the freezer that, that Steph had in there. But the freeze sleeve, it's, it's literally like, it looks like a knee sleeve. And it's filled with this gel that you keep in the freezer all the time so it's cold. And you pull the sleeve over your knee or your elbow or your calf or whatever's hurting or aching. And you leave it on for like 15, 20 minutes. Take it off, throw it back in the freezer. I have fallen in love with those things because they're just convenient. It's not messy. It's easy to use. It, it wraps around the entire part of the body. I put those on my knees just because my knees, my joints and my knees have been hurting a little bit lately. The free sleeve for recovery has been another another good piece. But recovery, it can't be taken lightly at all through some sort of training like this that is very high volume. My miles are between you know, 50 and 70 miles a week right now where the impact is high and you have to keep your body fresh to keep improving and moving forward. A combination of, of sleep, nutrition, hydration, and recovery protocols that you want to experiment with like I said, mine, my favorite being ice bath and compression boots right now, there has to be a plan in place for, for improvement. The recovery is just as important as the training, which is just as important as the nutrition, which is just as important as the hydration, which is just as important as the mindset, which we'll, we'll end with. Um, the one thing I did want to talk about, though, is nutrition on the course or nutrition during training. 
And I remember my first marathon, man. Like I look back and I just like laugh at, at what I was doing. I didn't know how to use nutrition properly during endurance training. You know, I heard about um, dues. I never trained with them for my first marathon. And what I did was they were handing out, like they weren't goos, but they were a similar type of gel pack they were handing out in the course on the Austin Marathon that I did in, in 2018 was my first one. And I grabbed these on the course, not trying them before. And they made me just like run to a porta potty as fast as possible. I felt like I was going to crap my pants because I didn't experiment with this stuff. I didn't have a plan. I was just like, I was running. I didn't know about nutrition during training for endurance events. I started the, the marathon and I was like, oh, I see these people handing this stuff out. I'm going to grab some of this. I'm going to grab some of that. I'm going to drink some of this water or drink some of that. I was using everything and anything they were handing me. And it was a, it was a disaster. It was a nightmare. I didn't have a plan in place. And I will say that the 2019 marathon, I got a little bit better because I had a coach and that coach helped me build a plan for nutrition where I was using goo packs like every four miles. But it wasn't until Ironman where my coach, uh, Taryn with Team Trainiac, he really taught me the importance of nutrition for an event like this. And like my plan for Ironman, nutrition wise, it was intense. And it was like by the minute what I was going to consume. And what happened was it worked and it worked well. And I realized, okay, nutrition plan is super important. Now, for a, for a marathon, 26.2 miles, obviously not close to the distance of a Ironman or close to the distance of an ultra marathon, depending on the distance you're doing. But it's still important. It's still super important. So a lot of my training runs, I don't use any nutrition on a course unless it's over 16 miles for like my training. But like this past week, for example, I had an 18 mile run. So I built in a plan. And this coming Sunday, I have a 20 mile run. So I'll have a plan. So my plan for these big runs is what I do is, and it depends on distance, but I will do a drink about 30 minutes prior and that drink will be 20 grams of carbs, and it'll be about 350 milligrams of sodium with other electrolytes. And I'll sip on that like 30 minutes before I, I step off on my run. And then like this past week, I did every six miles. So at the six-mile mark, I did a goo pack. At the 12-mile mark, I did a goo pack. This coming week with the 20-mile run, I'll probably do a goo at mile 5, 10, and 15. And a goo pack is just like 20 grams of carbs and some electrolytes, some sodium. And what you'll find is when you build these plans in, you can tell a night and day difference from training with and without it. Because when I get to like mile six, like this past weekend, and I was moving and I was feeling good, but mile six, I was like, I, need, I, I know I need my nutrition now because it's in my plan. I consume that goo and I can feel the energy from, from it. I can tell it's going to carry me those next six miles to my next goo, right? So it's like, it's a quick, easy digestible carb source with some electrolytes that your body can use instantly rather than pulling from glycogen and breaking it down into a usable carb source. Um, and, and having a plan is just, it's got to be in place. Learning to use carbs, water, and electrolytes properly during endurance training, um, 
it can make or break you depending on the, the length of the race. And I learned that the hard way over the past couple of years. But like I've said, this is something you learn with time. It's something you learn with experience. And to wrap this up, how my mindset has shifted and changed through all of this training. And I, I made a video, and we, we posted a video this past week about why I run and the reason behind running. You know, because when I, when I transitioned out of the military, I assumed that my running days were over. And I was 100% fine with that. And then I went a little bit, you know, a few months without running, without any cardio. And I felt like something was missing and I couldn't tell what or why. So I signed up for a marathon. I started training and I realized that running for me, it's like therapeutic. You know, in, in this place, in this world where so much is going on all the time, there's so many distractions, running is that one time where it all kind of disappears. Your stressors disappear. Your mind moving a million miles a minute, it stops. And you can focus on one singular topic or focus. And a lot of the times that's either the run itself or something I really want to think deeply about. And that's when I get my most creative and a lot of my thoughts for business uh, or, or my personal brand or things I want to work on or, or personal and self-development, my runs or when I really think about that and I'm able to eliminate all these distractions and have one singular focus. That's the one mindset shift I've experienced. The other and why I keep running, which I, I highly recommend you guys watch the video on my YouTube channel titled Why I Run, but it, it has this positive correlation between me being this person who constantly wants to improve who always wants to go one more and, and get better and, and be better and, and, and take these steps forward to accomplish larger, greater, bigger things, right? In my business life, in my personal life, and everything. And I apply those same lessons to running because running is that thing where you're, you're moving and you're the only person responsible. It's you running on the road, hitting the pavement and you can't blame anyone else for not running faster. You can't have any excuses where anyone else can take responsibility. It is just you and it doesn't let up. You know, like in weight training, you, you do your set, you have like 60 to 90 seconds of rest. You do another set and you can kind of like regroup, restructure. But with running, that doesn't happen. With running, you're going to be out there for, for miles and miles and, and possibly hours and hours. And you have to find that place in there that finds comfort in discomfort. And once you can find comfort and discomfort in something like running and apply that to the rest of your life, every other aspect, you can make great strides in everything else you want to do. And that's what running has done for me, that mindset shift in running and endurance training applying that to my entire life has made a massive, I don't want to say improvement, but this, this ability to want to do more, to go one more, to constantly improve. That's how I've applied it. So that's what I've learned through endurance training so far, just some high level stuff, none, none of the nitty gritty yet, but I wanted to share some of those things with you guys. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. 
and we'll see you in the next episode.